0: To everything, there is a season. Just as there are seasons in the natural, so there are seasons in the spirit. In what season are you right now? And where are you going next? Let's talk about it. But first, I want you to write in the comment section, write it by faith. It's a new season. Make that your public declaration. Now, it's important to remember that as I begin to go over these different seasons of the spirit, that you remember that these are not necessarily chronological and sometimes you will have seasons that seem to overlap and you know I'm here living in Texas now and sometimes the weather just can't make up its mind just when you think it's going to be a certain kind of day suddenly there's a turn so even during the winter we may get a hot day and even during the summer we may get a cold day and sometimes in the spirit that's what it's like even in seasons of blessings there are challenges and even in challenging seasons you can find blessings so These are not necessarily exact. These are meant to be given to you as a general guide so that you can help be navigated through spiritual seasons as you journey in your faith. Number one, the season of transition. Now, this is a season of newness, and when you're in transition, you'll experience two different things. One, you'll experience this great excitement, this expectation of possibility. But you also may be a little nervous. You also may wonder. But what the future holds and in seasons like this the only thing about which you are certain is the goodness of God and his faithfulness and sometimes that's all you need in fact all the time that's all you need but it's only in seasons like this that you sometimes realize that so again these are seasons of transition you may move to a different state go to a different country start a new ministry start a new project you may be entering a season of marriage maybe you're going through a separation Maybe God is disconnecting you from ungodly connections. Perhaps you're starting a new job, maybe going to a new school. There are various different things that can take place in our lives that bring us to a season of transition. And in these seasons of transition, we're struggling to find where we are planted. Maybe this might be a confusing time for you because things aren't what they used to be, and it's not quite clear what they're going to be. And so you're struggling to find some familiarity. You're reaching to find some stability. I want to talk to you about this patriarch of the faith, Abraham. Well, at the time of this text here, Abram. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading at verse number one and onward. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Now, it's important to remember that Abram was already prosperous, yet God calls him now to a season of transition. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here God is making to him a promise, a covenant. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Stop there for a moment to note something. God can call you in any season of life. God can use you at any age. It's never too late to enter a season of newness. It's never too late to step into something greater. It's never too late to begin a transition. Here we see that Abram was 75 years old, and God calls him to a new beginning. He took his wife Sarai, his, lot, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. So notice here that Abram bears the load of great responsibility. Family members depended upon him. Servants depended upon him. He had great wealth, lots of possessions. And so sometimes, especially when we've undergone a season of blessings, it can be difficult to obey the Lord. You see, when you're down to nothing and you have nothing to lose, that's a little bit easier to step out and say, Okay, Lord, I'm willing to take a risk because really there's nowhere to go but up. But here we see that Abram had something to risk, he had something to give up, he had something to put on the line. There were people who depended upon him. There were people who were looking to him. There were people who looked to him for this sense of familiarity and consistency. Yet Abraham didn't question God. Instead, with great faith, he stepped out on that promise and entered into this new season of transition. And of course, we know that because of this covenant, um, his descendants became a great nation. And through that nation, through that people, God would ultimately bring about the Messiah. So when we step into transition, when we go to this new place, when we're being planted in something, when there's that uncertainty and excitement at the same time, it's important to recognize that we are entering a season of transition and newness. And some of the markers of this season are, as I indicated just a few moments ago, like, for example, that things aren't what they used to be, the relationship dynamics aren't the same. THE FUNCTIONS AREN'T THE SAME, THE METHODOLOGIES AREN'T THE SAME. EVEN YOU BEGIN TO CHANGE. YOU START TO LOOK AT THOSE FAMILIAR SETTINGS AND THEY NOW BEGIN TO FEEL MORE UNCOMFORTABLE. YOU KNOW, DISCOMFORT OFTEN PRECEDES SEASONS OF NEWNESS. THE HOLY SPIRIT WILL CAUSE YOU TO BE AGITATED AND UNCOMFORTABLE WITH WHERE YOU ARE, WITH YOUR CIRCUMSTANCES, WITH WHAT'S GOING ON AROUND YOU, SO THAT HE CAN BEGIN TO MOVE YOU NOW INTO A NEW SEASON. AND AGAIN, THIS IS A SEASON FILLED WITH BOTH excitement and uncertainty, and it's in these seasons that our trust in God is tested. Do you trust that God's promises apply to this season, just as they applied to this last season? Are you willing to step out in faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to leave that which is familiar to me and I'm going to step out on your promise, trusting in your word, trusting in your nature, your character, who you are, and I'm going to throw myself on your power. I'm going to throw myself on your goodness. I'm going to throw myself on your ability to keep a promise. Well, these are exciting times, and maybe you're there right now. Pastor, maybe you're there right now. You know that God has something new for you. You know this is a moment of transition. Maybe the ministry's undergone attacks, and there's all these different shifts that are taking place. That's a good thing. Sometimes it's good to say, okay, Lord, we've come this far, we've obeyed you, and I'm talking to every believer now. Sometimes it's good to say, okay, Lord, I've come this far, you've taken me here, now I don't know what's next. It's an exciting season, because anything can come next. God can bring about something that ultimately surprises you, and in a good way. And so we have to embrace these seasons of newness, these seasons of transition. So many people fight change realize that when you fight change, you're fighting progress, the Lord loves you too much. Write this in the comment section. He loves me too much to leave me to mediocrity. And he really does. He doesn't want you to get stuck where you are because the scripture just declares that we go from glory to glory. And God wants to take you now into this transition, into this place of newness. So that's number one. It's a season of newness. It's a season of excitement. It's a season of uncertainty. Number two. And this one's not so comfortable. In fact, the next two are not so comfortable. Number two, the season of brokenness. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, it's important to remember that I'm not speaking chronologically here. And again, you may have some overlap in between these seasons. There's not a rigid, distinct line between these. But again, this may act as a guide to help you understand where you are. Let me know, by the way, if you feel like you're in a season of transition. Number two, it's that season of brokenness. This is where you become challenged. This is where the flesh begins to weaken. These are seasons where the sanctification process intensifies, where God begins to cut away some of those areas in our lives that don't belong there. He is the potter, we are the clay. He is the one who's molding us and shaping us. Now, we as the clay can't say to the potter, don't mold me like that or don't remove that or that needs to go. Allow the potter to do his work. Allow him to be the one to decide what goes and what stays. Allow him to be the one to decide what needs to change in you. And often, we have very stubborn areas of the flesh that we even are proud of. This is how I am. This is me you know maybe you're maybe you're proud of the fact that you're very overconfident maybe the maybe you're proud of the fact that you're stubborn maybe you're proud of the fact that you quote tell the truth all the time and it's good to tell the truth all the time but some people think that that means you can be rude and that you have to say everything that comes to your mind and in the flesh sometimes we try to Keep these things about ourselves that the Lord ultimately wants to change. You know when he changes those things in the seasons of brokenness. And you'll find, by the way, that as you draw closer to him, he says, okay, it's time to be pruned. Okay, it's time to have things cut away. Okay, if you want to grow, there has to be pruning. If you want to grow, there has to be change. If you want to grow, there are things in you that have to be broken. And I'm not saying that the Lord breaks us in that he damages us. I'm saying that he breaks us in that he causes us to reassess even those most basic aspects of our will of who we are and he begins to remove those things that are not of him. Jesus went through this moment in the crucifixion narrative. We understand that this tells the story of Jesus submitting himself to the will of the father to become the atonement for the sin of all mankind. Do you think he was comfortable in that season? Do you think he enjoyed the pain? There's not a chance that he did. In fact, this is what he said in John chapter 12. I'm going to read to you verse 23. Let's start there. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. My father will honor the one who serves me. My soul now is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Do you know what he meant when he said, Father, glorify your name? HE WAS EMBRACING THE CROSS. REMEMBER THIS. ANY VOICE THAT PROMISES YOU BLESSINGS AND GROWTH WITHOUT THE CROSS IS A SATANIC VOICE. WELL, REMEMBER when, when, WHEN SATAN TEMPTED JESUS IN THE WILDERNESS IN MATTHEW 4. HE WANTED TO OFFER HIM THE KINGDOMS OF THE WORLD. WELL, THE KINGDOMS OF THE WORLD BELONG TO HIM NOW. HE WANTED TO OFFER HIM the the pleasures of this world, and the, the praise of man. But he offered him a path to that without a cross. A crossless gospel is a Christless gospel. Every single one of us have a cross to bear. Every single one of us will go through a season of brokenness, seasons of brokenness, in fact. And again, it's important that when we move through these seasons that we trust God and we recognize that just because please hear this. Someone needs to hear this. I know this with all my heart just because things seem to be going in the opposite direction that you want them to go just because seasons are heartbreaking inconvenient uncomfortable doesn't mean that God is rejecting you. One of the greatest lies of the enemy and this is so tricky of the devil. One of the greatest tactics that he uses in terms of deception is to get you to equate trials and tribulation with God's rejection and disapproval. Well, that's how the world thinks. They think that if God is for you, that nothing bad will ever happen, and that if if God is against you, then only bad things will happen. Well, didn't the scripture say that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike? The sun shines on the just and the unjust alike? Good things happen to who we would call bad people, and bad things happen to who we would call good people. So we live in this world. There will be persecution. There will be trial. There will be tribulation. There will be trouble and calamity and times of confusion. That can't be avoided. But it's important that we don't waste these seasons of brokenness. I know this is prophetic for someone right now. Don't waste this season of brokenness because... It's in the season of brokenness that you can give to God the most valuable worship, that you can give to God the most valuable praise. Why? Because when you're on top, yes, the praise means something to him. But of course, you can praise in the seasons where you feel like you're on the mountaintop. But it's in the seasons where you're in the valley. Now, the praise and the worship that you offer is not because of the things that are going right in your life, but despite them. And now they're 100% directed at the person and the goodness of God. Don't waste the season of brokenness. Many believers, when they come into these places of brokenness, these trials where people are turning on you, where, where your mind and emotions are being attacked, where things aren't going your way, where one thing after another after another seems to be going wrong. What do you do in those seasons? Do you throw up your hands and say, well, God must dislike me or I'm cursed by some word curse? No, guys, you have to stick with the scripture. It is in these seasons that God begins to prune you and process you, that kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And sometimes when you are planted, it feels like you are being buried. And when you are planted, you go to dark places. And when you are planted, you go to lonely places. And when you are planted, it's difficult to see the fruition of the promises of God. The seed has to die before it will yield a harvest, the seed has to die before it can multiply. AND SO IN THE SEASONS OF BROKENNESS, IT'S IMPORTANT THAT YOU DON'T WASTE THEM. INSTEAD OF TRYING TO RUSH THEM, INSTEAD OF TRYING TO GET RELIEF AND UNDERSTAND THAT THAT'S ONLY HUMAN. OF COURSE, NOBODY WANTS TO SUFFER. OF COURSE, NOBODY WANTS TRIAL. OF COURSE, NOBODY WANTS CHAOS. BUT IT'S IMPORTANT THAT IN YOUR SUFFERING, YOU SUFFER WELL. YOU SUFFER UNTO THE GLORY OF GOD. WELL, WHAT DID JESUS SAY? NO, IT WAS FOR THIS VERY REASON I CAME TO THIS HOUR. SO HE'S SAYING, SHOULD I ASK TO HAVE THIS REMOVED FROM ME? SHOULD I ASK THAT THERE BE ANOTHER WAY? SHOULD I ASK THAT PERHAPS I TAKE ANOTHER ROUTE? NO, IT WAS FOR THIS VERY REASON I CAME TO THIS HOUR. AND THEN HE PRAYS, FATHER, GLORIFY YOUR NAME. I'M NOT SAYING THAT GOD IS ACTIVELY HURTING YOU. I'M SAYING THAT SOMETIMES Life is such that there are difficult circumstances and the Lord can use those difficult circumstances to break those stubborn areas of our heart, to break those things that we've become proud of that ought not to be there, to break us from certain mindsets, to, to break our unhealthy independence. Independence to a certain degree is healthy, but, but that unhealthy independence, that, that idea that we don't really need God, WE NEED TO LEARN RELIANCE ON HIM AND IN THE SEASON OF BROKENNESS, THE LORD BEGINS TO PRUNE THOSE THINGS OUT. SO NUMBER ONE, THERE'S THE SEASON OF TRANSITION OR NEWNESS. NUMBER TWO, THERE ARE SEASONS OF BROKENNESS. NUMBER THREE, THERE ARE SEASONS OF hiddenness. NOW, THIS IS SIMILAR TO BUT NOT EXACTLY THE SAME AS THE SEASON OF BROKENNESS. THE SEASON OF BROKENNESS, THESE ARE TRIALS THAT ARE CAUSING US TO EXPERIENCE PAIN AND DISCOMFORT AND INCONVENIENCE that ultimately build our character to be more like Christ. But the season of hiddenness is where you feel overlooked, where you feel like you have much to offer, but not many opportunities to offer it. King David understands this. It's a season of monotony. It's progress without breakthrough. Seemingly, it's a lull. There's a pastor friend of mine who told me something that just stuck in my head. You ever have a friend of yours or pastor that will say something to you and it just sticks in your head? And there's this saying he gave to me. He said, gradually, then suddenly. This is how the Lord moves. Gradually, then suddenly. Where things are moving slow, nothing really seems to be happening. It looks like everything's just going to stay the same. You're stuck in the rhythm of monotony. And it's gradually, gradually, gradually. Maybe that's you right now. There's a God-given dream he's placed in you. There's a divine purpose you know he has on your life. There are spiritual gifts he's put in you. There's ministry he's put in you. There's godly expression he's put in you. And it seems like you're just overlooked. There's no opportunity. There's nothing that's really challenging you. You're just going through this season of the same old, same old every single day, but you're being faithful to where you are right now. Gradually, then suddenly. In fact, our ministry staff says that all the time. It's something I've somewhat just drilled into their heads. Gradually, then suddenly. Gradually, then suddenly. Everyone wants the suddenly. No one wants gradually. Everyone wants the trees. No one wants to plant the seeds. Everyone wants the plants to grow. No one wants to stand in the rain. First Samuel 16, 1 13, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So we understand the Lord rejects Saul. And now the Lord is instructing Samuel to go and find Saul's replacement. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So not the one man man indicates, not the one you think you should. I'll show you who I want to be king. BUT THE LORD SAID TO SAMUEL, DO NOT CONSIDER HIS APPEARANCE OR HIS HEIGHT, FOR I HAVE REJECTED HIM. THE LORD DOES NOT LOOK AT THE THINGS PEOPLE LOOK AT. PEOPLE LOOK AT THE OUTWARD APPEARANCE, BUT THE LORD LOOKS AT THE HEART. MAYBE SOME HAVE OVERLOOKED YOU BECAUSE OF YOUR APPEARANCE, BECAUSE OF THE WAY YOU TALK, BECAUSE OF THE WAY YOU DRESS, BECAUSE OF WHERE YOU COME FROM. THEY'VE DISCOUNTED YOU. THEY'VE OVERLOOKED YOU. THEY'VE SNUBBED YOU. THEY'VE DENIED YOU ACCESS. WHY? BECAUSE THEY'RE JUDGING FROM THE EXTERIOR. But remember this, man's rejection can never stop God's appointment. It is not man who anoints. It is not man who chooses who gets what ministry. That's the Lord. Now, the Lord will, There's an. I want to balance this because I want to make sure that I'm not inciting rebellion within churches. Remember that there's an order to God's church, and there is a structure, and there are, leadership roles, and there are processes by which we become approved in order to serve in leadership roles in ministry. But I'm talking just generally, God having a call on your life, God placing gifts within you. God will bring those to come about even if people should try to stop it against God's will. Now, this doesn't mean that every time somebody is stopped that someone's acting against God. Let's balance that. There's a process to go through. There's, of course, leadership and church structure. God ordained that. That's not a man idea. That's a God idea. But on the other hand, sometimes people try to fight God by preventing you from stepping into your calling. Or maybe even do it unintentionally. They just overlook you. They don't think much about you. And sometimes that can be hurtful because it can feel like nothing's ever going to come to fruition in terms of your calling. It can feel like... You're constantly being overlooked. You're constantly being denied opportunities. But so long as you keep your heart right, so long as you tend to what God has given to you to do in this season, so long as you keep your focus on Jesus, God is ultimately the one who appoints and anoints, even mantles. like think about the idea of mantles. It's not man who gives a mantle and decides I'm going to put my mantle on you or you. It's the Lord who speaks that causes that mantle to flow. In fact, it's possible for a man to say, I want this one to have my mantle. And God says, you can say that, you can pray that, you can lay hands, do whatever you want. But ultimately, I'm giving the mantle to this one over here. God is the one who decides that. So the mantle does not come from man. It comes through man. This is why, by the way, think about the mantle, the appointment that came on David through Saul. And I want to talk about some deep things of the spirit, A little bit of a tangent, but it's important for you to know. Think about how sometimes we get so paranoid in the church. Would you know who their spiritual father was? Look at the mantle it came from them. They have to now deny everything that God has done in their life because one man sinned. No, 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 my friend. First of all, the Holy Spirit protects. Second of all, God uses hypocrites. Now, he'll judge them. They will pay the price for their sins. There are consequences, but God can use anyone. I mean, look at Matthew chapter 7. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we do many mighty works? He says, yeah, but I never knew you. So he used them even if he didn't know him. And so we may say things like, well, you know, their spiritual spiritual fathers, this person. So surely they, they need to, you know, they need to get delivered and all the, no, my friend. The mantle does not come from man. It comes through man. And so you may feel like you're overlooked, but ultimately God is going to be the one who appoints you. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had several of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So Jesse watch this. Now is positioning the sons that he favors. He's saying, this is the son I prefer to be anointed. And I'm certain that he presented them in the order of his favor. Why? Because he had a preference. How about this one? Not that one? Okay, well, the next one I think it should be is this one. How about this one? No, not that one. So he presents them one after another. Man is presenting, but God is rejecting. Man is positioning, but God is denying. Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, now watch this, he begins to seek out. He asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, and he probably was cringing because he likely did not think that David was the guy. Yeah, there's, you can hear the tone here. Yeah, there's still the youngest, but he's, he's tending the sheep, he's out there. He's with the animals. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now watch this. Jesse is placing his sons in front of the prophet. God is saying no. Then the prophet, by instruction of the Lord, seeks out whom God would anoint. So even though man wouldn't present him, even though man had rejected him, even though man did not prefer him, God sought him out. And this is what the Lord is doing with those of you who are, so to speak, in the spirit, tending the sheep. What does it mean to tend the sheep in the spirit? It means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, when I first began in ministry, I didn't start as an evangelist. I started as a media guy. I was the, the song flipper, as we call them. Some of you don't know what that is, but to summarize, I was the one who made sure that the lyrics on the screen were the correct lyrics to be sung during the worship songs, and this was before we used computers to do that. And then, of course, eventually, I used like the PowerPoint presenter, and I would help with the sound. I would help with the microphones. I would help to set up and tear down, and this is what I did for a while because that's where I started. I tell people all the time, I didn't begin in ministry in the pulpit. It began with the projector. It began in the sound room. It began with serving where I could. And I served with my whole heart. Lord, this is what I want to do for your glory. Lord, this is what I want to do unto you. It was my worship unto him. And then God called me in that season where I was serving. Well, think about it. When God called David, he was tending to the sheep. When God called some of the disciples, they were fishing. When God called Elisha, he was tending to the field. Think about that. Elijah goes to seek out Elisha and he's tending to the field. He's plowing the field. And this is something that we forget as believers when God looks to anoint someone for ministry, for purpose, for use. He looks for someone who is busy. He looks for someone who is serving. He looks for someone who is faithful to tending the sheep. Just because you're tending the sheep now, doesn't mean God doesn't have an appointment for you later. Just because you're doing the menial and the mediocre now doesn't mean that one day you won't step into a great calling. And this doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to be a preacher, or that everyone's going to be a social media sensation, or that everyone's going to be ultra-wealthy, or that everyone's going to speak to uh, you know world leaders. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that you will fulfill the divine purpose that God has placed over your life. Even if you feel overlooked, even if you feel underappreciated, Even if you feel like you're not accomplishing anything, God sees where you are in the season of hiddenness. If this is encouraging you, tell me in the comment section right now. Maybe you're in the season of hiddenness. So there's the season of transition, number one. The season of brokenness, number two. The season of hiddenness, number three. And number four is the season of fruitfulness. This is where now there's a breakthrough. This is now where there's blessing and abundance. And I'm not just talking about material gain. Yes, that can come with a season of breakthrough, but it's so much bigger than that. It's so much greater than just the acquisition of material goods and wealth. This has to do with being promoted in the kingdom of God and being entrusted with kingdom responsibilities, To where now there's this fruitfulness. Now there's this, so to speak, explosion of effectiveness. For the first, I always get this wrong because there's so many different uh, markers on the timeline, but uh, give me some grace if my timeline is off. So I'll just say probably for the first 15 years or so, we didn't see very much traction on YouTube. We didn't see much traction on social media, but I knew that the Lord had called me to media. I knew that God had placed that passion within me for a reason. Ever since I was young, THERE WAS THIS FASCINATION WITH CAMERA EQUIPMENT AND MICROPHONES AND LIGHTING AND NOT EVEN NECESSARILY TO BE ON CAMERA, JUST THE IDEA THAT YOU COULD DUPLICATE A MESSAGE OR COMMUNICATE THROUGH AIRWAVES, THAT TO ME WAS JUST THIS AMAZING IDEA, AND SO GOD PLACED THAT LOVE FOR MEDIA WITHIN ME, AND SO WHEN I BEGAN TO BE PREACHING AS AN EVANGELIST AND WHEN I BEGAN TO PURSUE THE CALL OF GOD FOR MY LIFE, WELL, NATURALLY, WE USE MEDIA AS A TOOL, BUT IT DIDN'T WORK OUT SO WELL AT THE BEGINNING. It took years before I even had 400 subscribers. For the first 15 years or so, none of our videos got over 300 views. I think the average view was like 100. For the first few years, nobody read the blogs I wrote. Nobody, nobody read the, I think the books would sell maybe 100 copies, and the people who bought them mostly did it because they felt sorry for me, or were just supporting the ministry. But they didn't read the books for the most part. And so there was this season of, of, of where I felt like there was no effect. And really what was happening is that God was sharpening, not just the character in me. He was sharpening the skills. He was sharpening uh, the gifting. And I'm not saying this to boast upon myself. I'm boasting on the Lord. And there are skills that God is sharpening in you. There are things that God is perfecting in you, even before the season of fruitfulness. But then there was just this, I can't, I can't tell you any other way than to just say it was like the Holy Spirit just breathed on it and said, okay, now. And all of a sudden, there it is, gradually then, suddenly there's fruitfulness, suddenly there was breakthrough. But that was preceded by that season of brokenness and hiddenness, being faithful in that brokenness, being faithful in that hiddenness, keeping the right attitude, remembering that it's all about Jesus, it's not about self. And so this is something similar that Joseph experienced, because as you know, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he was sold into, so he was sold then by his brothers into the house of Potiphar. And then in the house of Potiphar, he was falsely accused and sent to prison. He spent much time in prison and a gentleman who was supposed to mention him to Pharaoh completely forgot about it for a long time until finally Pharaoh has a couple of dreams for which he needed interpretation and that's when all of a sudden this man remembers, oh, yeah, there's a guy in prison who can do this for you. They bring him before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. And then all of a sudden, everything that he had gone through, everything that he had faced, all of the setbacks, all of the trials, all of those troubling times culminate in this moment where now Genesis 41:37, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours. Verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. So now he's being paraded around the region after getting out of prison. Then he had Joseph ride the chariot. And whenever Joseph and wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. So there we see all of a sudden now, there's this season of fruitfulness. But here's the thing. GOD GAVE TO JOSEPH THAT ABILITY, GOD GAVE TO JOSEPH THAT FAVOR, NOT FOR HIM, BUT TO PRESERVE THE NATION OF ISRAEL. IT WAS ABOUT THE COVENANT. IT WAS ABOUT OTHERS. IT WAS ABOUT GOD'S GRAND PLAN TO ULTIMATELY FULFILL HIS PROMISES MADE TO HIS ANCESTORS. AND SO WE SEE, EVENTUALLY, THAT JOSEPH, BEING IN THIS POSITION OF FAVOR, IS ABLE TO HELP HIS FAMILY, IS ABLE TO HELP THE, the, the FAMILY THAT WOULD BECOME THE NATION OF ISRAEL. AND SO WE SEE THAT GOD'S SEASONS OF FRUITFULNESS IN OUR LIVES ARE NOT ABOUT US. IT'S NOT TO MAKE OUR NAMES GREAT. IT'S NOT TO MAKE US BLESSED. THERE there ARE SOME RESIDUAL BLESSINGS WITH TAKING ON THESE RESPONSIBILITIES, BUT IT'S NOT ABOUT THAT. IT'S ABOUT BEING OF SERVICE TO OTHERS. IT'S ABOUT BEING IN A POSITION TO AFFECT OTHER LIVES. IT'S ABOUT BEING IN A PLACE WHERE NOW YOU CAN HELP THOSE AROUND YOU AND AROUND THE WORLD. WE AS A MINISTRY, HAVE EXPERIENCED GREAT FAVOR IN TERMS OF MEDIA, IN TERMS OF FINANCE, IN TERMS OF OUR EVENTS, AND WE OFTEN KEEP IN THE PERSPECTIVE THAT WE SHOULD BE A HELP TO OTHERS, THAT WE SHOULD REACH OUT AND HELP NOT JUST THOSE THAT WE'RE SERVING IN TERMS OF EVANGELISM AND MINISTERING THE word but also other ministries to give them a helping hand to help them in seasons where they are struggling. I remember the people who helped this ministry in its seasons of struggle, and I'll never forget how certain gifts or prayers or encouragements or the giving of resources even would help to bring forth the fruitfulness ultimately. And I said, Lord, when we get to that place of fruitfulness, I want to be a blessing to others. I want to serve others. I want to help others. And I know that's your heart, too. I know that you want this season of fruitfulness, not so that we can consume it for self. It's not about acquisition of wealth. It's not about being great. It's not about any of that. It's about having a larger capacity to serve others. It's about having a larger capacity to help the person in need, to help those who need the gospel, to help those who need deliverance, to help those who need healing. That's why God is bringing you into a season of fruitfulness, not for your own benefit, but to make you a benefit. AND MAYBE YOU'RE IN THAT SEASON NOW. YOU'RE IN A SEASON OF FRUITFULNESS. THAT IS THE SEASON TO BEGIN TO HELP. YOU SHOULD BE HELPING AND SERVING EVERYONE IN EVERY SEASON OR THOSE GOD LEADS YOU TO. BUT but ESPECIALLY IN THE SEASON OF FRUITFULNESS, WE HAVE A GREATER RESPONSIBILITY to, TO GIVE OUT AND TO HELP AND TO REACH OUT AND TO SUPPORT. AND THAT IS WHAT GOD IS CALLING US TO DO IN SEASONS OF FRUITFULNESS. SO TO RECAP, SEASONS OF TRANSITION. Seasons of brokenness, seasons of hiddenness, and seasons of fruitfulness. Let me know in the comment section, where do you think you are right now? Is it a combination of some of these seasons or is there a very distinct season that you're in? Write it in the comment section right now and let's pray. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit guides us in every season. And I pray, precious Lord, that you would help us to serve you well and to remember that it's all about Jesus in every season, no matter what we're facing. In Jesus' name we pray. I want you to say it because you believe it. Type, amen. If you enjoyed this message, you think someone else needs to hear it, don't forget to leave a like. Yes, that actually helps to spread the message. And let's make sure to stay connected. Subscribe to my channel and click the notification bell when you do. And now I wanna invite you to participate with this ministry in spreading the gospel all around the world. I know you're generous i know you love the gospel i know you love jesus i know you have a heart for souls that's who you are in christ and so i want to invite you to join us on our mission in reaching the world with the gospel message of salvation through jesus alone we want to take the saving healing delivering power of the holy spirit to the nations and so we understand that the gospel is free but the means to deliver that message on a mass scale, that takes resources. So will you help us make a difference in this world? And yes, this ministry is making impact. It's his ministry, not mine. This ministry is making impact around the world. So I want to invite you. You've been blessed by this ministry. You've been helped. You've been encouraged. Maybe you've been encouraged at an event or through reading one of our books or a blog. In whatever way you've been touched by this ministry, I want to invite you now to pay it forward. Help someone else now. I'm asking many of you to become monthly ministry supporters. You can become a monthly ministry supporter by signing up for our automatic giving plan. Just go to davidhernandezministries.com partner. Consider today a monthly gift of $10. Consider today a monthly gift of $25. Some of you can do 50 or 100. Think about all those things that we spend monthly. Think about all those things that we do monthly gym memberships and streaming services and gaming platforms and delivery services. There are so many things we spend those resources on, and that's okay if that's what you want to do. But add to those resources, add to those things, also the support of the gospel. Or take a challenge. If you're saying, well, I can't add to it, but I can replace one of those, then I challenge you to do just that. But whatever you do, please sign up today. Ask the Holy Spirit, what would you like me to give in support of this ministry? And then go and do that again. DavidHernandezMinistries.com/partner. Sign up to become a monthly ministry supporter. Well, I so appreciate your giving. Thank you for your support. And until next time, remember, nothing is impossible with God.